Hi there, welcome to Greedo Shop First. I am Benjamin Light. This is Marco Sparks. And today we're back to talk about Star Wars, obviously. Some interesting new kind of pictures and leaks coming out. Yep. Uh, all regarding the Greenham, Greenham Common set. Uh, it's like an old like decommissioned military base that they're shooting at. I think it actually held like nukes at one point. Oh, cool. Uh, like a nuclear missile site. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, then you know how to go online and find the pictures of this. Uh, a lot of aerial shots. There's like two kind of batches of pictures. Some are like aerial shots from some guy who had like a, one of those like little drone cameras. Mm-hmm. And then some from a guy who's just like up in a tree with like a telephoto lens. Hmm. And they show very interesting things. It looks just... like, it looks like a rebel base, basically. Just think about that. Like somebody flying a drone over like a film set. Well, that's fascinating. That's like the new thing now. It's they just send up the drone to get spoiler, like a spy shot. Yeah, spoiler gathering technology. Huh. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, that always fascinates me. I mean, like in general, like a lot of the attitude of paparazzi is just scummy. Mm-hmm. But like just innovations and like like basically, it's like a, a a space race of spies and espionage just to get page like click hits. Yeah. Well, I saw a thing. It was just at the. Uh, the big new like spaceship looking campus that Apple's building at Cupertino. Somebody yeah. sent up a drone there and like flew all over the place. Hmm. Just, just looking at construction. Uh, that's a, it's a whole new industry of peeking in on things we wouldn't normally be able to see. But at the same time as you could take those photos, CGI and a few like rough looking X wings <laughs> and then just be like it's from star Wars, yo, mm-hmm. self Latino review and they'll print it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but the cool thing about these set photos is there appear to be, scale like life-size scale x-wings a couple of them mm-hmm. uh like half a falcon yeah uh it's it seems as though they they only have half the falcon probably because they don't need the other side for the angles they're using right although i do wonder is there an interior to that set or is it just like a, a husk yeah because well, wouldn't it wouldn't it be the coolest thing in the world to have a whole scene where somebody's like say running across the tarmac from an x-wing right up the ramp of the the millennium falcon and right into the cockpit i mean that would be amazing that would be awesome uh i'm fascinated by the the color design on this one x-wing oh the the black one yeah it's like black and orange or red yeah but some people are speculating that maybe the orange is like covering up something else okay um yeah there's there's a kind of more standard looking x-wing that's blue and there's one that appears to be black and orange and then there are a few more that are kind of down at the other end of the base that are basically just like two dimensional stand ups, mm-hmm. as though like they don't need, they don't need like life size you know scale models of X wings because those will be like in the back of the shot and you don't you know there's no need to make a full X wing for that. Yeah, it's old school. Yeah, well, and and JJ's good about finding these very real life locations that look bizarre and basically telling you that there are some, some aspect of future technology. Like mm-hmm. again, the, the engine room and the, his Star Trek reboots are like the Budweiser plant. <laughs> They're like giant, like, beer yeah, that's right. Contraptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what was it? One rumor was that people could see like Adam driver on this set, like basically like an X wing, like jumpsuit, like pilot jumpsuit. Well, so there's the guy that was up in the tree with his telephoto lens. He took a bunch of photos, uh, they appear to be mostly people in kind of like olive drab uniforms that look mm-hmm. like. They, oh, I see the photo now. Okay. Yeah. 
But there's one where it's like somebody who's like in like like a B-wing pilot pilot outfit, and it's just like all you can see is like it's a tallish dude with like longish brown hair, and it's like if you squint, like maybe that could be Adam Driver. It could totally not be, but right. you know, I mean, there's like other ones where it's like somebody who's tall and honestly looks like a lot like Peyton Manning, but people are like, that's Gwendolyn Christie. Cause it like, she might be a, that might be a girl and she has short hair, you know, it might be, it might also not be. Yeah. But that's uh, the fun thing is like, this, this is real. Yeah. This isn't like, I have a source who told me that, uh, count Dooku's aunt's, you know, uh, like grandnephew is going to be in the movie or something. Right. This is right. somebody actually went out there and like, this is actual stars. It's filming this is awesome it is awesome um neat things about the the videos they have there's a video from the guy up in the tree where you can't really see much of the shot it looks like some sort of like i don't know training or practice thing or something because there's like Mm -hmm. you see like a like a squad of like soldier looking guys like kind of jogging by like in formation Mm -hmm. as, as you would on a military base and it's in it's it's during a scene, you know. You hear somebody yell "action," and then they mm-hmm. yell like "John Boyega, go" or something like that. Like they clearly say his name, and then way over on the side where you can barely see, you see somebody come into the frame that could be him, could not be him, mm. and he he looks like he's just like trying out running or something. It's weird. It's it's totally bizarre. Fascinating. This is to the, know what, what's this going is the on that scene, scene in my my like espionage, like Man from Uncle, but like their paparazzi TV show, <laughs> or somebody like in the boardroom watching this footage is like enhance, yeah, enhance. Well, the other cool scene is when when the drone footage that they have, it's you know looking from above way down. They all look like little ants running, you know. But uh, all the the figures in the scene are like running around, like as though they're like scrambling fighters, you know. Like that's that's the impression you get, like watching all these people like run around to different locations. It's like uh they had to suddenly scramble the the X Wings or something like that. Yeah. It looks very cool. Huh. I'm fascinated. Yeah, this is amazing. Some people thought they saw Daisy Ridley there just because it was like somebody who appeared to be a woman facing away from the camera with like dark hair. Uh pretty sketchy. So they're saying this is Gwendolyn Christie and also Crystal Clark, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, that could very well be Daisy Ridley, too, couldn't it? I mean, on the right? Uh, that's pretty dark complexion. True. But, I mean, it, this doesn't even really look like Gwendolyn Christie to me. No, no, it doesn't. It's just, it's somebody who's tall and has short hair. It's like, yeah, it could be Gwendolyn Christie, I guess. I mean, I really, I feel like it's a man. I, I do like the idea of Gwendolyn Christie as one of the, uh, like, prissy, mm. like, uh, empire like imperial, officers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just can't wait to see the scene. I mean, there's something extra exciting about life-size sets of like X-wings and Falcons. Yeah, it's yeah. Har- it's hard to. I mean, I'm not one of those people who's like anti-CGI by any means, but like, just the idea that like most of their effects are in frame here is fascinating to me. Yeah, like they could be running around from one X-wing to another and have you know Falcons in the background, that kind of thing. Yeah, this is mind-blowing. But this would really, I feel like potentially imply that like the rebellion is still going you never know though true and i you know we were just watching empire and to me one of the fascinating things about the original trilogy is how seat of your pants the whole thing is yeah um it's you know there's not a lot of like meetings with uh political people or Mm -hmm. high-ranking officials or anything there doesn't even really seem to be much of a chain of command right um 
and I could, I wouldn't surprise me if at some point in episode seven, you had a, a similar type of situation where it's just like, you know, like Han and Leia and like some rebels. Yeah. Or well, some I mean, alliance or whatever you want to call them. And it's a little just bit like of this little air base. In a little bit of Empire we watched it, like two things struck me. One was that, like, you know, in the prequels, you've got Amidala's like having lots of meetings and like mm-hmm. clandestine affairs. Yeah. And, and then in like in the original trilogy, you've got Leia like fucking welding shit. Yeah, she she's she, giving pep talks to pilots and then she's welding shit. She gives like a brief pilot's briefing that like not everyone is even there to hear the whole thing. They just kind of run up. Then there's <laughs> some flirtatious banter, i.e. like sexual harassment in the workplace. Between her and Han. Um, the other thing that struck me is I always forget that's Julian Glover as the you know, captain of the ATATs. Uh, General Veers. Yeah, the guy who went on to be uh, a Bond villain and in Game of Thrones. And I probably talked about this on the podcast before because it's mm-hmm. a space between our episodes. But like again, that's one of the guys I had a fucking action figure for. <laughs> and I always forget that that's Julian Glover. Yeah, yeah, he was in... Um, uh, Last Crusade as well, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's the villain in Last Crusade as well. Mm-hmm. For your eyes only to Last Crusade to uh, Grandmaster Pycelle. Yeah. So a lot of people seem to think that this base is Dantooine mm-hmm. based on some like concept art and like video games and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying it couldn't be, but it, I mean, it's really could be anywhere. So before the show, you were telling me that there was three Rogue Squadron games. On the GameCube, yeah. Or okay. actually, no, one was on the Nintendo 64. Yeah, okay. there's, there's Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, and then um, it's called like Rogue Squadron Rebel Strike or something like that. Yeah. Which was the one where you could unlock the like uh, Naboo Starfighter? I think that was the original Rogue Squadron. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Is that you had to put in a special code that they didn't like announce until Episode 1 came out. I was terrible at that game, but I fucking loved that Naboo Starfighter. It was a pretty good ship, from what I remember. If I remember correctly, it was just like increasingly, like incredibly fast. Yeah, I think it was really fast. But like that was always my problem. Was I was just like, oh shit, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I mean, like just all of the, you know, talking about merchandising. Like, just imagine the video game possibilities. Oh yeah, loaned. Um, but yeah, these just these. Uh, base pictures at uh, Greenham Commons are fascinating. Like this to me is more exciting than like two months worth of like, you know, Luke's floating hand rumors could possibly be. Well, yeah. And just the fucking like debating, like the Dooku, like genealogical line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is so much more interesting. Um, I really hate the fact that it's stamped like Latina reviews. I know. Well, and it's kind of shitty because there's other photos that aren't, I, I I do wonder, like, did this guy just, like, sell his photos to Latina Review or something? I guess, wouldn't you, though? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, if they're, if these assholes are going to pay money for it. Plus, I mean, I'm sure they're desperate to pay money since they can only sustain themselves on the rumors they make up mm-hmm. for so long, you would hope. Well, what's interesting is uh, in some of the first spy footage where, like, some stuff is still under tarps. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, one where it's, like, an X-Wing's all under, like, blue tarps and stuff. When you see the Falcon there, it appears to not be fully put together, mm-hmm. and it looks fairly, like, clean. Right. Uh, but then when you see, like, a later shot, it has, like, this, like, kind of, like, battle scoring on it, you know, like, kind of charring carbon scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, I guess they're just building the whole 
the whole Falcon set right there. I mean, I imagine this is a special outdoor one and not the main one. Right, right. It would be great if you could like have something where like they can walk from the cockpit down a hallway, down uh-huh. the steps, out of the thing, yeah. and then through the base. That would be goddamn Because well, we've never seen that before in no, a I mean, Star Wars That, that movie. would blow your fucking mind. And that's what you want. It's like you want a lot of lip service and homage to the style of the prequels and the, and the original trilogy, but you also want some innovation. I mean, these movies well, don't have to just... go forward. There's something super exciting about the idea of them being real. Yeah. Like that, that you could actually walk right out of the Falcon onto a, like an, an air base, you know, rebel base. And there's like X wings over there. You can walk right up to, um, it's just different from something that's CGI or green screened into the background. I'm, I'm flipping through comments on some, some article about all this shit and Jesus Christ. Oh, it's like, can, yeah. You can see Crystal Clark in the background of the driver picture. This has obviously all been staged by J.J. Abrams to fuck with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, half these people, like, they're attacking J.J. for this as being a clear disinformation campaign. No, don't half don't of even it, read the comments. Just, well, half of it is no like, well, like, Adam Driver's clearly an Imperial spy because we all know he's full Sith. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? People know nothing. All you know is that there's definitely some sort of scene at, like, a, an air base that has X-Wings and Millennium Falcon. That's all you really know. That's the thing about a lot of Star Wars fans. That's all you need to know. Is they fall in love with their own bullshit. Well, the interesting thing is you can see the, uh, the dolly track in some of these shots and like a, like a big, like light reflector they have up. So whatever this shot is, it's moving across the blue X-Wing. Right. Um, and there's like these weird, big, like generator looking things next to some of the X-Wings. Fascinating. Yeah. Tons of extras. Like in, in one of those aerial shots where you, it's like there's like a scene going on and everyone's running around, mm-hmm. there's like got to be at least a hundred people there minimum. Excellent. That's what you want. Oh yeah. Well, and it's it's fascinating because like they don't they don't make movies like this anymore. I'm really intrigued by what JJ has apparently talked Disney into doing on this movie. Because <laughs> you would think I'm I'm sure when you know Bob Iger and whoever when they first bought Lucasfilm. They're thinking like, oh, we we know how to make these big budget action movies. We can, you know, we can bang these out. And instead, like Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams are just like, what if we did it all old school? Mm-hmm. Like real big, humongous sets, practical effects, mm-hmm. you know, puppetry, huge models of, you know, ships and whatnot. Yeah. Hundreds of extras. And I'm sure you'll get a, a fair sprinkling of CGI because I'm sure the oh, story sure takes it quite a bit. But yeah, the fact that they would do as much of it practical as possible is a goddamn delight. Yeah, and I think it'll help the performances. I mean, there's yeah. there's just got to be a difference between like being able to lean up against an X-wing and like just standing in front of a green screen, well, and they're like, "That's an X-wing behind you." Just in that first like act of Empire Alone, we saw how many scenes of like Chewie and Han, mm-hmm. you know, with tools working on various yeah. parts of the Falcon. Well, that's yeah. what I love about the technology of Star Wars. It's it's very retro. Like I I would really hope that there isn't like some sort of equivalent of like Google in the new Star Wars, uh, yeah. you know, Episode Seven swiping things like air controls. I mean, you had holograms that were like like visual, but mm-hmm. the controls and everything was all so tactile. Yeah, and and not like super fancy like visual displays right. you know like everything's all like kind of old school computery well, um, like in the prequels the communication is rudimentary it's not like it's not like when luke gets lost out in, on hoth they just like look up his like you know transponder he has embedded and like use gps to track right. him or anything yeah. 
in the in the prequels, you know, I probably only read it two or three times, but I feel like I read a hundred fucking accounts of either like Natalie Portman or Ewan McGregor complaining that they were doing scenes with, with the baseball cre- or uh, the with, tennis yeah, ball with the tennis ball, it was like some creature that was not there. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some like aid or or whatever off screen, like like miming out bad like dialogue for an actor mm-hmm. who wasn't even cast yet to yeah. do a voiceover. Um. And I remember seeing all of those photos too, where it's like they're they're having to be on set with like the big silver ball or what have you. Yeah, or it was like you and sitting on top of some weird kind of mechanical bull thing. That that thing that that uh, Anakin, Obi Wan, and, and Amidala ride, you know, uh-huh. the end of Attack of the Clones, where like you're watching the three these these three actors sitting there, and then you remember they're just all the on this like weird green screen saddle. <laughs> yeah, you remember reading the stories where. Nellie Parmelee later said that Ewan McGregor spent the whole afternoon like whispering naughty things in her ear. Yeah, it's probably the best thing to come out of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, these pictures are fascinating. Well, and also there's all these reports of like the stunt doubles for Daisy Ridley. There's like a couple of them, and they're both like super gymnastic, like fight you know coordinator stunt doubles, which tells me that they're planning to do a ton of like actual. Like not like not digital stunt doubles, but like real stunt work, right? Real fighting, you know, like tumbling, you know, somersaults, that sort of thing. It's not just going to be like, I mean, cause there's there's times in in episodes two and three when it's a digital stunt double and you have no idea because they did it well, mm-hmm. and there are other times when it's like, yeah, that's a digital stunt double. But there, but the nice thing about so a digital stunt double, you know, for the layperson means two different things though. It can mean cgi character like the stormtroopers or the clone troopers are all cgi characters mm-hmm. in, in the prequels but it can also mean like the dooku fights in episodes two and three were not actually christopher lee they were well no what, what i mean by a digital stunt double is think of a scene where um where like, like re- replacing heads is what you mean no no where like the whole body like there's certain stuff like anakin in the droid factory there are certain shots where it's like he does some impossible flip or jump or something where it's like that's not even a stunt double that's actually just CGI. Just like the clone troopers were all CGI. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, but but it's it's CGI specifically to do some like impossible move that like theoretically a Jedi is capable of. Right. right. Um, and I feel like there's just, I mean, just look at Darth Maul. You know, <laughs> like that that's Ray Park doing those moves, and that's why it's so awesome is because the camera can can just sit there and, and film it, and it doesn't have to cut away or use it like a trick or blur or anything like that. Well, it it. Is both great and, like I said, for the Dooku stuff, it limited it a bit because mm-hmm. you know you can look at the the special the special features on the DVDs and there's a, like a stunt double guy wearing like a fake you know white yeah, hair yeah. and beard and later his head will be replaced by you know footage of. I mean that's not as bad to me. It's the the pure digital stunt double. With the, at times is just really kind of jarring. With the Dooku stuff, it was funny is because I felt like. And the movie it would have taken you out of the movie completely if Dooku started doing all kinds of super crazy fucking flips. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, this guy is super old, even though you know it's all yeah. digital effects. Whereas, meanwhile, on the contrary, like Yoda is this small green like goblin who's just doing some amazing flips and jumps and moves. Well, and it's funny is there are certain shots in the Obi Wan versus Django Fett fight in Episode Two where like the the shot in particular where Obi Wan kind of lunges out for his lightsaber, but then like the cable wraps around his wrist and he gets like tugged away. Yeah, that shot is CGI. That's a not that's a CGI stunt double, oh. uh, but you wouldn't know because it's really well executed. Like for yeah, whatever reason, they nailed that shot. But then there are definitely other shots where it's like, yeah, that's obviously like, you know, they they couldn't actually do that shot. 
and and to be fair to, to the art of filmmaking and how complicated it is mm-hmm. it's not just when cgi enters the picture that things get bad no. again the reshoots for phantom menace obi-wan's wig <laughs> is terrible well and think of the uh the shot where mace windu jumps off the kind of balcony into the arena this party's over like when he, he falls all the way down like that yeah. shot works yeah it does. but the but uh the shot where anakin does this like kind of like half lutz onto the uh the thing that charges him to land on top of it right that definitely doesn't look real like it just right. your your mind is just like that's not how somebody moves right and i feel like using actual like you know stunt coordinators and, and you know just people who are like super gymnastic using that for daisy ridley is going well, to so be really interesting what your mind wants to tap into is the amazement that the human body can do that yeah and thus you feel like you can do something that you would have never guessed mm-hmm. as opposed it's, to like just seeing somebody do something like completely insane you know, it's like you, you can't it's like your mind is like no that's not real rather than like wow that was like an awesome move they just did i don't want to go watch those various like french action movies of it but i i <laughs> get the appeal of like parkour and film yeah yeah it makes well, sense they've, to me. they've like, hired some parkour people for star wars good i mean like that sequence in casino royale was awesome mm-hmm. i thought um especially at the time so yeah i mean like yeah you can definitely understand the appeal of it it I don't have a problem with, with most of what I feel like you've heard or felt is, is what you really know is going into this production. Mm-hmm. The people, there's a, there's like an active industry of like fans, commenters, voices on the internet who just want to talk shit, want to tear this down. The people who constantly want to tell you every month that like Disney's pissed off of J.J. Abrams. <laughs> He's being pulled off the set. Oh, do, do you want to talk about that Atlantic article? Yeah, let's talk about the Atlantic article. So there's an article in the Atlantic by Katie Kilkenny called "Selling the Soul of Star Wars." Um, when you read this, and I, I don't mean to turn this into like you know you're a fake geek girl or whatever, but like, did you get the impression that she actually saw or had liked Star Wars Not at any point in her life? Not as much. No. I agree with parts of this article because some of them are just factual. I'm not parts entirely sure what the point of this article is. It seems to the the kind of crux of the article is that Disney sequels will revive many of the film taking te- filmmaking techniques of the original trilogy. Is that savvy nostalgia marketing or an earnest challenge to the rest of the movie industry? And she doesn't necessarily argue either way. Yeah. Um, it's like, hey, you know, Disney and J.J. Abrams are using these old school filmmaking techniques to, you know, and partially this is going to win back fans who didn't like the prequels. And it's like, yeah. Like, is are you saying that's a bad thing? Are you saying it's a good thing? Like, it just is. Um, I don't know. This is a, a strange. It, a lot of a lot of you know digital ink spilled on not a ton of a point. No, and and I think what really what she's trying to do is she's trying to get some some play from the people who are pro Star Wars, which mm-hmm. I think people like you and I are, and then these like J.J. Abrams haters, the the. I don't know, anti-mystery box people, the, yeah. like, lens flare decriers. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's them. like, the, the obligatory lens flare comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, this weird kind of thesis she puts forward about how, like, Lucas's prequels were, like, truer to Star Wars because they were, like, not... Like, her whole thing is, like, J.J. and Ryan Johnson, like, grew up liking Star Wars, and so what you're going to get in these new Star Wars movies is just, like, the cynical cash grab where... 
they're selling your nostalgia for Star Wars back to you. But as whereas like Lucas was making some sort of pure Star Wars, it was not like a nostalgic filmmaking. Yeah, which is ludicrous to me. Well, I mean, good luck finding a director between the ages of 30 and 50 who wasn't influenced by Star Wars. Right. Right. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like a human being, for fuck's sake. Um, it's like, yeah, I guess they could just never make another Star Wars movie. But um, a lot of people like Star Wars. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I mean, yes, it's a cash grab. The Disney spent money on Star Wars so they could make more Star Wars movies and people would go see them and give yeah, them was, money for it. <laughs> it was a four billion dollar act of charity. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. I, it's it's a hard point to argue that lifelong fans, people who love these movies so much that it helped directly inspire them to go into the art of filmmaking, mm-hmm. are therefore going to be like soullessly yeah creating this well it's it's like oh they're just like going to be like worshiping the original star wars and it's like i i could see like if you'd seen the movie and it was nothing but like pure pandering and like rehash maybe you could write that but like you haven't seen the movie yet so first of all i love that she never actually credits girls and hoodies as being the, the podcast oh. <laughs> that ryan johnson was on but this is but see this is how things happen that are good is you have to have a little bit of like the the ryan johnson jj you have to have the true fan mm-hmm. who can make this they deserve this but they have to team up with like the big soulless corporation and the thing is you want a little bit of both well i i'm very curious as to what the budget for star wars is yeah because they're i mean they're maybe they're saving some money here and there by not doing certain things cgi mm-hmm. but all that like you know, big sets and puppetry and hundreds of extras that should cost money. Like all it the does. locations are going to. Yeah. So I imagine the budget for this is going to be pretty big. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, like if you had just a bunch of dorky fans out to make just like a, like a star Wars jerk off session, mm-hmm. that would be fucking dreadful. If it was just a product, like if this, if Disney went and fired like fucking Zack Snyder, Oh God, that would be fucking be horrible. horrible too. But you need a little bit of both. It needs to be professional and good. It needs to be true to the the franchise, you know, that it's that's evoking. Well, I mean, ultimately, is is it a bad thing that they're making more Star Wars movies? I don't think so. I can't wait to see more Star Wars movies. So, if her argument was about these like spinoff movies, like the fucking Boba Fett movie alone, I could maybe start to agree with her. Yeah, but we don't even know what those movies are going to be yet. So, yeah. It's it's like this is like prepositioning to uh, kind of wag your finger at Star Wars well, yeah, once once you know more about it. You know, I think she's testing the waters to see what the reaction is. It's mm-hmm. like the, the Atlantic's having her test the waters so they can either really bitch about J.J. Abrams. Well, because like, I mean, this are. article is so kind of like it'll like kind of like try to make a point and then like walk it back by being like, well, maybe this is a good thing. It's like there's yeah. I don't know, there's a lack of substance in this. It's just but, waving back. But everybody's back. talking about this on the internet right now. Like, you know, you have to have an opinion about whether or not it's a good thing that they're making these uh, new movies. And yes. then, of course, you have to have an opinion about J.J. Abrams. The answer is yes. It's amazing to me how many people think J.J. Abrams, like, wrote the Lost finale and was, like, responsible for what happened the last season of Lost. Oh, boy. They're just like, oh, is this, are all the characters going to end up in purgatory? Hmm. Mm. At least the the mystery box or lens for his complaints, you know, how can be earned. Yeah, you know the the lost stuff, which again, these people who don't understand the end of the last episode of Lost or last season, who then want to complain about it and then want to tie J.J. Abrams into it. 
Just go watch The Lost Pilot and tell me that's not a competent filmmaker. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, but, you know, haters gonna hate. Mm-hmm. Gonna drink their haterade. So, one thing I was thinking about, um, the Hunger Games movie comes mm-hmm. out, what, like Thanksgiving-ish, I think? You're thinking that's when the trailer will be? Or well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying the, the new next Hunger Games when it comes out, like around Thanksgiving, I believe. Okay. We, there have been teasers that did not have any like footage from the movie. They're mm-hmm. like very much teaser teasers that came out like starting like early summer, I think. Mm-hmm. We just now, mid September, got the first trailer for the Hunger Games. Oh, you're right. And that's, uh, what, three months, I think. No, mm-hmm. two months, basically. Two months before the movie uh, releases. Mm-hmm. So I wonder. Is is that the new style of like building up the hype, or is that just something the way you like legendary think works, or that there would be some kind of like teaser with the big December movies? I definitely want there to be. I just I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if there is. I mean, the thing that will be. I mean, the Hunger though, Games is probably going to be the biggest movie of this year. What is the single easiest, most identifiable Star Wars thing that you could put into a teaser? The uh, smallest detail. Like a Falcon or the Falcon or an See, I would have said Darth Vader breathing. No, you can't do that, that though. That, well, that's that's because, misleading. Because presumably, yeah, he wouldn't be in this. I mean, but yeah, the Falcon. Oh, just like a just lightsaber. imagine the uh, the shitstorm that would happen if there was just like if it was just like breathing and then like Episode Seven and everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, they're bringing back Vader. Yeah, you're so right, lame, you're... you know. But I mean, to me, wouldn't that still be the most identical Star Wars thing, even if it's not accurate to this particular movie? Yeah, but they've already like basically done that. In the uh, episode two, I remember. Oh, that was what was at the end of episode one. If you stayed to the end of the credits, that's right. The, yeah. the breathing. So, peace. Yeah, war. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just you still gonna get a teaser at some point. Well, like the Avengers is less than a year away. We have not gotten a teaser for the Avengers yet. They did some stuff at Comic Con, showed some stuff off. Mm. Which, is which is amazing that that stuff hasn't leaked i guess right say. yeah yeah you're right but it's, it's interesting too is well because like i remember for i believe it was captain america you at the end of that like the little you know marvel patent mm-hmm. thing at the end was footage from the avengers movie even though it was like still in production at the time right very limited footage yeah but i mean they don't need to do avengers too because they know you're coming back for that one yeah, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get an Avengers trailer by the end of the year. Mm, okay. Like, would they, like if they didn't put out an Avengers trailer, to, say till like February, like Super Bowl, maybe wouldn't shock me. You know, they don't they think, don't need to necessarily. You think there'll definitely be a Star Wars one of the Super Bowl, right? No, no, I don't think so. Interesting. No, that 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 doesn't seem like the right time or place for it. Okay. Um, and like, frankly, they don't need to. Um, it costs a lot of come. money to advertise during the Super Bowl, and you're kind of mixed in with everything else. I think, I think there's, you know, you remember what happened when the episode one trailer came out? Like the whole the whole internet stopped for a day to like download that thing. That's like right. Like that was a, a massive thing, and I well, they, they can do the same thing for episode seven. I remember it was a bigger deal at the time too, because that was not an easy thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Like the oh, yeah. speeds and connections, what happened? I can, I can remember waking up early that day and like I started the download. I was like in college, like went down to the cafeteria to get breakfast, come back up. It's almost finished downloading. That was good times. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's why I think they wouldn't do it like Super Bowl. Like they would just get lost. I mean, there's so many different kind of like news cycle things happening during a Super Bowl. Mm. The, the game itself, all the different commercials. There's other trailers airing too. They want their own day. That makes sense. Well, you're gonna come and see this movie. But I, I, do you do you think they could actually wait all the way till the Avengers to release a teaser? In May, yeah. Well, I mean, a teaser, we, we all not the first teaser though. I think a teaser could definitely go to the Avengers. See, I would I would be surprised. De- I would think December. I don't know. I just I I I want them to do it in December because I want I'm like desperate to see footage but of this movie. I'm so at fascinated. At the same time, like I feel like I've saw I've been seeing like Interstellar teasers forever. You know. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the you know marketing campaign and how they run it, but. Yeah, you know, just as an example, another Disney property, other than like Comic Con stuff, has not yet really given us anything on the Avengers, other than uh, like they just released like a plot synopsis. But mm. I don't know, maybe maybe they'll put out a, a trailer for that soon, a teaser of some kind, like during the Hunger Games or something. I, I guess the question will be though is not just when the teaser will come out or or a teaser or whatever, but will we know anything? prior to that yeah well because it's a weird situation for disney because avengers hits like beginning of may mm-hmm. and then i believe it's like beginning of july is when the next captain america or no ant-man that's right yeah uh although who knows what the fuck's going on with that <laughs> uh but they had this weird thing where they have to like crank up the hype machine for avengers and they're gonna like own most of the summer mm-hmm. then they have to do it again for ant-man to, like own the end of summer yeah and then they have to like kind of like let things chill out enough that they can re-crank it up again for Star Wars in December. It's not the worst position to be in there. Oh no, it's a good position, but that's why I just wonder will they want to pace it out a little and not be doing Star Wars, you know, trailer when it's like Avengers time. Yes and no, but I mean I don't I don't know that a lot of people in their minds will keep thinking this is Disney, this mm-hmm, is Disney, mm-hmm. this is Disney, I need a, a Disney break, you know. True, true. I mean, you could you could put out Avengers Frozen 2 followed by Star Wars and to me in my mind that's still three different things. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah and we talked about this before the show too like the complaints I mean the the author of this article she brings up Marvel very briefly but it's like mm-hmm. what they're doing I don't think but I could understand someone trying to make the argument that that's soulless. You know just cranking out movie after movie after movie. Well what do you think the movie industry is? Exactly. Like, they, I mean, I ideally Hollywood makes good movies that you then pay money to see, which encourages them to make more good movies. It doesn't always work out that way, right? But it's not a bad idea when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This article is just, uh, I think, just misguided, especially in this wibbly wobbliness. Well, it just doesn't seem to really say anything. Yeah. It, it like suggests like a, a kind of a finger wagging like you know animosity towards the new movies but if you really read the whole thing it's like walked back so many times in it that you're just kind of like do you have an opinion i don't know and and one of the things is like the the animosity crowd like are they are they like the loud minority yeah of course yeah yeah i mean this whole article can be summed up with like maybe episode seven will be good because they're using these old effects or maybe it won't we don't yeah. know yet. Yeah. Deep. Deep. So deep. 
Do you think they'll do 3D? I really hope they don't. Uh, I really hope that. I would rather just like, if they were just like, we're not doing 3D, we're just going to charge you like two bucks more a ticket. I'd be like, fine, sold. Please don't show me in 3D. Yeah, I, I think we always say that, but mm. I think they're going to do 3D because I know that they've done 3D uh, Marvel movies. Well, they're definitely doing IMAX. I mean, they, that, that comes more from the studio, right? I believe so, yeah. I mean, it would be a post-conversion 3D process, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know, I mean, the article even talks about how JJ is one of the people who likes IMAX. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. Um, so, you know, you get the IMAX treatment, which is great. See, but, but how would yeah. they, I wonder how they would do that. Would they actually change aspect ratios within the movie or would they uh, like crop it? Because IMAX is not CinemaScope. Whatever the shittiest possible conversion is, that's what we'll do. I would love to see Episode 7 in an IMAX theater in CinemaScope. Crop the top and bottom. It's okay. I just... There's so many moments of this this movie I want to flash forward to, like, mm-hmm. knowing about possessing, witnessing for the first time. I want to, like... I almost want... I, I just... I want to flash forward to when I go out and I actually buy... Believe this. Believe, <laughs> think about this. Buy the John Williams CD or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, and it's like Daisy Ridley's Noble End. Yeah. Like, Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not again. No! Uh... It's like Han dies. Who who takes over? Like so, say John Williams doesn't survive to score the next trilogy in, in its mm-hmm. entirety. Michael Giacchino. I like Michael Giacchino in the movies he does, but is he? John I mean, that's Williams? a that's a tall order. I mean, it, like who takes over for John Williams? Like one of the most famous composers yeah. and well, I mean, you know. Re- respected and celebrated composers of all time jesus christ like movie wise at least the movie composers you actually know now yeah i mean like there's that alexandre this black guy who yeah you know there's fucking uh what's his name marco beltrami there's marco beltrami who for i first became aware of because he did like scream scream yeah yeah um Um, does danny elfman even work anymore i have no idea he retired there's I mean, like, it, it, what if you think about Danny Elfman's music? I just want you to flash back to his filling cameo in The Gift. Just flash back. Uh, what's that guy's name that does Dark Knight? I'm blanking on right now. Oh, uh, it's not James Newton Howard. It's um Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Well, he's like apparently like kind of like a an institution. Like, like it's like his name on other like he has like a staff that does it for him supposedly or something I, like I that. I think so. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I mean, I, I like his. He's like he's like the. Well, this is an unfair comparison, but he's he's kind of like the James Patterson of movie scores, not in terms of quality, but in terms of like, like he, he his output is high because it's it's not just him. It's a, a compilation. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, I would make the strong argument that several cuts from his soundtrack are the best part of Man of Steel. Bar none. Yeah. From every element. Um, it wouldn't be hard to be the best part of Man of Steel. Yeah. Like, well, I was thinking about, like, uh, I, was, I was just doing a Google search for who did the soundtrack for Superman Returns, which is John Ottman, who mm. I don't really have anything strongly positive to say about for his music composing or his editing skills. They, they use the John Williams. They, they use portions of John Williams. Yeah. So like I, that's why I was looking him up. I was thinking, like, you'd think the guy who could, you know, take John Williams' ball and run with it. Would be, I mean, who who are the fucking like composing superstars now? Oh, I mean, I think that's one thing you can say about all the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. The score is pretty weak. I mean, there is the um, the kind of Avengers theme 
mm. they hear in very small movies, but uh, they're not it's, it's pretty forgettable. Scores. Like you can't like if I were like whistle it right now, you wouldn't be able to do it. But I mean, I could just start like naming off tons of like active living film composers, and to me, they don't hold up. Your James Horner's, your Howard Shores, your Jerry Goldsmiths, yeah. um, they just don't hold up. I mean, Giacana is pretty good. Although, the, I guess the thing about him is this is just su- such a different style. It's a very John different Williams. style. That's, yeah. that's my big issue there. Uh, there's Brian Tyler. I mean, scores in general are different now. Like, the kind of scores you get in big budget movies are not the same as a Star Wars score. Right. Like, right. Will, will we get a Star Wars trailer that has, a, like, bah, you know? Because <laughs> that, that would be a different style than what we normally see. Right. I mean, I mean, you, you know they're going to use like binary sunset. I mean, that's there's like the guaranteed take it to the bank. So. Yeah. They're they're absolutely going to use the binary sunset theme in one of the trailers for episode seven. Do you want binary sunset? Sunset? You want? I think maybe some kind of take on the Imperial March. Maybe, maybe not. It, it kind of depends because that's such a Darth Vader song too. True. True. Um, fuck. Probably, well, I don't know, maybe Yoda. The Luke and Leia theme, definitely. I mean, Michael Giacchino, I guess the thing about him is that everything he does sounds similar. His Star Trek scores are so incredibly similar to like his work on Lost to me, mm-hmm. much like the Hans Zimmer stuff. Like His soundtracks for Man of Steel could have basically been leftovers for like, yeah, Dark seriously. Knight movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at Brian Tyler's IMDb page here because his name came up to me. It's a lot of TV stuff, but it's also like Iron Man 3, Age of Ultron, Thor. Would you say it's a fair comparison that G. Kano kind of reminds you of Bernard Herrmann a little bit? Uh, yes and no, in that Bernard Herrmann, I mean, like, and some of it is the movies that he mm-hmm. scored. Like, yeah. I mean... I walked out of like Vertigo again, my favorite movie, Hitchcock movie, and like certain aspects of that score have stuck with me in my entire life since then. Or as Michael Giacchino, where I like a lot of it, just kind of melds in together his general style. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe I could say that I really remember like his score from the very end of Lost. Mm. You know. Um, <sighs> These are serious issues, people. Oh, I mean, I I could only assume that any composer worth their salt has probably studied John Williams at some point. You would hope so, uh, or gets it, you know. And there's so much material he's already put out Plus, that if somebody needed to make a new score, like because I mean, there was like that whole like Shadows of the Empire score they did that wasn't him, and I I know there've been various video games. I'm pretty sure where they they haven't just used. Uh, like Williams, I think they've you know produced some of their own stuff. Well, so. they had to, they had to really evoke his work too in the club, yeah. too, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's just not. But I mean, not a great also, argument there. But <laughs> if you're the guy like taking the interview to like pick up John Williams's ball and run with it, like go back and watch every single one of those George like Lucas interviews where he talks about like you know it's all movies are all about John Williams's score in the first place. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen George Lucas say that like a hundred times too. No matter how much shit people dumped on the prequels, they still like the score. Oh yeah, without a doubt, yeah. I there's another thing too. I remember cutting school to go home and like turn on fucking MTV Live or whatever oh it's called yeah. TRL and like watch Duel the Fates video. Those uh, videos are so bizarre. 
Yeah, they were super pissed because they like the they edited in dialogue. Like that was yeah. such a weird experience. Well, because you had the chanting too, and that blew my mind. You know, at the time, I never mm. expected that, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, like across the stars, I remember just actively looking forward to hearing that when it first came out. Um, such listening, a, such listening, a romantic movie. Yeah, list. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's such an old classic film score that that song especially but i mean and then when you're actually watching attack of the clones and like during the bit where they're chasing the uh the bounty hunter there's mm. guitar twanging throughout that thing yeah um yeah yeah well i think that's about all we have to talk about mm-hmm. uh very excited to see those set photos it's it's so nice to get something real after like what seemed like just like three or four months of bullshit yeah. Or it's it's like the story keeps changing. It's like, no, the villains are the inquisitors. No, they're not. It's a it's a Sith. No, it's it's a it's the emperor. No, We're it's it's a young going to see the Sith homeworld you've got. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a young aristocrat. Uh no, it's a young aristocrat who's related to Dooku and he has people who are like inquisitors but not. Like it just it keeps morphing and and maybe this is all takes on like what it actually is and they just don't have the details or Right. Who knows? Maybe it's just it, people it keep repeating be. the same rumors back and to each other. It may be true. We don't know. That's the point. But yeah, like, start, you know, people who are, who are just molding this bullshit, like, start using these set photos. Make something of this. Oh, I've already seen it. Okay, good. Oh, did you see the new rumor for uh, Daisy Ridley's uh, name? Her, her, her name in the movie? What is it now? Fawn. Fawn? Yeah, like a, like a, a small deer. I, I absolutely promise you it will not be Fawn. There is a Kira solo. I've heard or, that. Or Kira Skywalker, you know. I've heard that, and I like it's like spelled all different manners of ways. Yeah, and there's a Sira, like S E R A, and then Fawn. Nope, it won't be Fawn. Yeah. You heard it here first in Great Oshaw first. It would not be Fawn. You say that, and then I remember seeing Padme, and I was like, that's not real. <laughs> I, I would rather it was Dawn. <laughs> Padme? Fawn. Like, pad my ass? Like, Padme? Seriously? <laughs> pad me down! Uh, Padme, uh, Amidala is so much better. Like they couldn't call her like Amidala, Amy for short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you an angel? <laughs> Yippee! Okay, I think mm. we're done. Here. And we're done here. <laughs> we'll be back when there's more stuff to talk about later.